Welcome to Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, God is one. Amen. What is the meaning of life, the universe, of everything? If you've ever read The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, 42 is the answer that a um, supercomputer built by an extremely intelligent alien race designed in order to answer that very question. And it ran for seven and a half million years. And when asked what's the answer to everything, the answer it gave was 42. So um, given that unhelpful answer, Others have asked it and looked elsewhere besides supercomputers to see if they could find the answer. The ancient Hebrews, of course, for for them uh, and the Jews in Jesus' time, their whole world, the meaning of everything was summed up in the law given to them by God. The law was the series of commandments, the um, prescriptions for living that God gave to Moses Um, and the children in the desert, the stories that were put together, um, starting with in the beginning at Genesis and going through, you know, the, the, the time when the people had gone into the land. And from that point on, the people would lose and then rediscover the law and they would read it out and they would try to live by it and then they would forget it. And then they would get exiled and then they would remember, oh yeah, we should be living by the law of God. This is probably why we've been exiled. So how do we do that? What does it all mean? What's the point of it all? And so the question, how do you sum up the law? What's the point of everything? We can presume is a question that was being asked almost as soon as the law was, uh, you know, the last period was put on it and the scrolls were all gathered together and people had what they recognized as the law of God. Well, all the prophets would uh, comment on it too. And so by Jesus' time, the question, how does one sum up the law? What's the the greatest commandment? Was something that lawyers of, you know, the studiers of the law, Pharisees, religious leaders, they would ask this question. And Jesus' answer is given to us today in the gospel. It's the same answer that we actually hear at the beginning of every mass, the summary of the law. He says it is to uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. This is the summary that he gave, and others may have given it too. In another similar story, Jesus asks uh, another man who comes to him, a teacher, you know, how should I live? He says, well, what, what does the law say? How do you read it? And he gives Jesus this exact answer. Now, I wonder if it's because others had come up with this answer or if it's because that man had heard Jesus say it. Either way, this is the standard answer that Jesus gives multiple times uh, when asked multiple times through the Gospels. In Matthew and Luke, this is the answer. So why is this the summary of the law? How do we understand that these two commandments, which interestingly, if you look, actually come from different books. The first part, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength, that comes from Deuteronomy. The second, which is like it, uh, comes from Leviticus 19. So why, why was it written like this? Why, why, wasn't, why didn't God just deliver it with the heading, 
Here's the most important thing. By the way, here are some other things that fall under this general heading. I think it's because when God was giving the law to these people, it was in context of their leaving uh, Egypt, their formation as a new people group, and they were to walk in the ways of the Lord as the Lord gave them so that they could be trained up. And so it wasn't until Jesus' time when you could look back over the context of centuries of people trying to live by and then messing up all of these commandments that Jesus could say, this is the summation of it. This is what it all means. So Origen, in commenting on this, Origen of Alexandria, he says this is the reason uh, why this, these two commandments contain all of the other law and prophets. He who fulfills all that is written concerning the love of God and his neighbor is worthy of receiving the highest of God's favors, of which the first is the word of wisdom through the Holy Spirit, through which comes the word of knowledge according to the same spirit. St. Paul in our epistle today talks about um, wanting, being thankful for those under his care and wanting them to have all of the gifts of God, primarily the gift of wisdom. And Origen knows this. He, he's commenting on St. Paul's words in 1 Corinthians when he says this is the point of, of the gift of wisdom because it is what allows you to understand the rest of well, God's work. He continues, in receiving such gifts from God, that is the wisdom, he now truly understands that the whole law and the prophets are but a part of all the wisdom and knowledge of God and understands uh, that the whole law and the prophets depend on and have as their beginning the love of the Lord of our God and of our neighbor and that the perfect fulfillment of our duty to God consists in love. So this is why Jesus says the summary of the law is to love God with everything that you have and to love your neighbor as yourself. Because if you attain to that, if that is your goal, then you will be worthy of having the wisdom to discern how everything else flows from that. It was love that inspired God to give his instructions to his people. It's love that um, made God teach them, I am the first thing for you to focus on, and the next thing is your neighbor. So this is why every Mass we begin with reminding us that the fulfillment of everything in you know, the majority of this bound book that we have is loving God and loving neighbor. But that's not where our gospel passage ends today. It goes on. Jesus then asks the question of the Pharisees who had just asked him, you know, how do you, how do you sum up the law? So he answers, and then he asks them a question. He says, who is the Christ? Whose son is he? And they say, well, he's the son of David. And he asks them a follow-up question. If the Christ is the son of David, how does David in his own prophecy in the spirit say, the Lord, that is God, Yahweh, said to my Lord, that is the Christ, you will sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. Jesus asks, how is David calling his own descendant his Lord? If, if that's the case. And they, they couldn't answer him. Because, I mean, in, in every other instance of uh, 
ancestry, one looks to one's ancestors as the higher authority, as, as the, the more important. But David looks to his descendant as more important. So the son of David, it's an interesting title. Jesus, I think, asked this question in order to subvert their expectations, obviously. But the question then comes, well, what is the answer to his question? Like, the Pharisees couldn't answer it, so how do we answer it? What was Jesus' own answer to that question? How can David call his own descendant his Lord? And the answer is that the Christ wasn't merely the son of David. He wasn't merely the descendant of David. He was in David's line, sure. In fact, the Gospels, Matthew and Luke, both give us genealogies of Jesus, and they don't match exactly. It's interesting. Matthew's uh, genealogy is pretty clearly the genealogy of Joseph, who was the adopted, not the natural father of Jesus. Luke's genealogy might be of Joseph, but some suggest that it's actually kind of a, a subverting way of actually giving Mary's genealogy, which also goes back to and through David. So he's in David's line in both genealogies. Either way, we know that Jesus is not a mere descendant of um, David. He is the son of God who has come into this world um, intentionally. He did not enter this life um, without his say-so, like all of us have, you know? None of us, as, um, as James Taylor put it in his song, uh, what was it called, The Meaning of Life or something like that, James Taylor also trying to answer what's it all about. He says, none of us know how we got to the top of the hill, but now we're on our way down, so we might as well enjoy the ride and you know, try not to try too hard. And again, like 42, it's not the most helpful answer to, to the question of what's life about. But he is right in that none of us know how we got to the beginning of life. None of us put ourselves here. But one man in history did. One man entered a womb on purpose. <laughs> And that's the son of David, but more importantly, the son of God. And that's the point Jesus was trying to give. The son of David is the son of God. And the reason I think he asked the Pharisees a question about the Christ, who is, who is David's son, right after they ask him about summarizing the law, is because he is linking the summary of the law in a phrase to the summary of the law in a person. He's saying, you've asked me how to tell you how the law is summed up, but what I'm asking you now is about who is summing up the law. The Christ, the son of David, who he's trying to tell them is also the son of God, shows us the summarizing of the law. He shows us how to perfectly love God and perfectly love his neighbor. And so this morning we have a beautiful um, example to us, both in words and in the word, the person of Christ, about how all that God was trying to tell his people through all those centuries is summed up in loving God perfectly and loving neighbor perfectly. And the way that we do that is to follow Christ because no one had done it perfectly. Everyone, as St. Paul said, has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every single person who ever tried to follow the law perfectly failed at it. Even Paul, who was, as he said, sinless as to touching the law, he followed all the rules, but he didn't fulfill the law. 
You could be the most perfect follower of the law possible and not do it right if you missed the point of it, which is to love God and neighbor. Jesus Christ came into the world intentionally in order to do that for us so that now all of us following his name can live in him and fulfill the law in ourselves. Obviously, we don't do it perfectly either, but that's why we're here to get Christ's life more and more inside of us so that we aren't on our own trying to do this. And that's what mass is about. Um, I'm, I'm tempted, I'm not gonna do it. Ashley and I watched a, um, a show called Midnight Mass recently and I've got, I've got thoughts. But suffice it to say, it is not <laughs> a demonstration of what mass is, what mass is about. What mass is about is getting Christ's life into us and becoming more and more conformed to him. And if we don't understand that he is the picture, the paradigm of self-sacrificial love, then we're missing everything. So our propers today give us a hint of how all this works. Um, there's a summary on the back of the um, bulletin that, that describes how the propers are in tune with this lesson today, how the mass is the fulfillment of the law now in Christ. And we know we've, we've talked about it, about how this sacrifice that we're about to offer, this is Christ's one sufficient sacrifice that saves us all, that has redeemed the world. And we get to participate it over and over and over again. We come in here to mass, we put our hearts on the altar. Most of us, it's been a week since we've last done this, and I'm sure there's a lot on our hearts um, that we're bringing with us over the last week that we need to re-resign. Can you re-resign something? Re-resign, to give over to God again, to offer ourselves and all, all our lives and all of our cares onto the altar in recognition that we can't do it alone, that we needed someone, Christ, to fulfill what the meaning of life is about, to love God and neighbor. And if we do this, if we participate with him and we put his life, we receive his life into us, then we are beginning to live that Christ life better and better in the world, that we are taking the meaning of life out into a world that is struggling to understand what it's all about. We have the answer. His name is Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, God is one. Amen. Talks at Advent. Homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia.